0: cherubim, shine forth. You dwell between the cherubim, shine forth. You dwell between the cherubim, shine forth. You dwell between
1: the cherubim, shine forth. Praise praise the Lord. Father, we we love you. Lord, we're in love with you. We're in love with you. We love you, Lord. Pour your love into our hearts this morning. Help us to find more reservoirs of love, more deposits, more measure of love towards you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Jesus name. Amen. Okay, let's open our Bible to Luke. Let's see Luke chapter Luke chapter 14. Amen. Luke chapter 14. If you're there, say amen. amen. Are you there? Yet? Let us continue to read from, um, I think on Saturday we read up down to, I think around verse 26 or so, where I just sense in my heart we should continue with the same uh, thought and uh, just continue to see, amen, there's so much in the the thoughts of Jesus, Um, Jesus Christ um, while he Walked on the earth. Praise God. I was speaking with Rot uh, Tomewa, and we were just speaking about Jesus, the the wisdom about uh, with which he he spoke, and and we realized something that you know many of the books, like in the epistles, they were actually letters. So um, Paul took time by the Spirit to to write. He had scribes with him. Um, who were penning down um, thoughts and, and all of those things. So uh, the epistle is almost like a, uh, a spiritual academic work of, uh, of an apostle. But the gospel is different. Most of the gospel are just everyday talk of Jesus. Just going around, gisting with people, speaking. So imagine how prophetic such a soul is. That is normal chat. Can count as scripture it means that there is his soul had journeyed to a place where there is no error in his conversation, right, where just his, and, and most of these things that we are reading, uh, you know, it's just Jesus, Someone asked a question, Jesus just replied to them, and then Jesus just saying things. And and uh, this, when you look at his parables and his stories, they look like things that were thought out. You know, maybe someone took time to compose a story that will convey meaning, but he, just, he was just speaking with them. Most of the, a lot of the, like the answer here in Luke 14 was just out of questions that were asked and he was just teaching and just began to speak. Praise the Lord. So, but these things are loaded because Jesus was a, um, the word Jesus means, and in God saves, right? So he was a—he was an epitome of salvation. And so what he, his writings are actually, they, they are the words of a soul that is saved. So there is. that's why you have prophetic accuracy in all of his words. Praise God. So I want us to be at the spirit that I feel this morning um, in the scripture. Is maybe we'll just look at the gospels a little bit. And uh, I, I'm seeing a little bit of, um, um, how do I put it, the... the His words are pregnant with meaning. So when Jesus speaks to a common person, at their level, they pick something out of what he said based on their level of understanding. And if you go bring a spiritual scholar, someone who is studious in the law, they will be able to pick at their level, depth of understanding. And when a New Testament child of God comes, the same thing happens. You begin to see the epistles in Jesus' words and his teachings. Amen. Yes. So let's, let's continue to read and see what the, uh, the Lord is saying here from Luke chapter 14. He says that, I'll read from verse um, 16. It says, if any man come to me and hate not his father and his mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, then here his own life also, he shall not, he cannot be my disciple. Amen. He cannot be my what? Disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down to build, sorry, to first sit down not down first and counted the cost whether he have sufficient to finish it. Lest happily after he had laid the foundation, he's not able to finish it. And all that behold it begin to mock him. Saying this man began to build and was not able to finish. Praise God. So Jesus here is not really speaking about building a house, a physical house. Um, he's speaking about a building that matters in the spirit. A spiritual building. Right. He's talking about how souls can be can be built. Praise God. Yeah. Amen. Amen. He's speaking about how what? How souls can be built. So in building, there must be the counting of costs. So this, the building they are speaking of here is spiritual building, like how souls are built. And so for every soul that needs to be built up, there is counting of cost the cost of raising a soul spiritually is high it's a high cost it's a heavy cost and so there's a tendency that when spiritual building starts there's a tendency that the person who's building at some point will find that their resources are not enough praise god and the resource here that they are speaking concerning is not just the resources of the own person because you don't use your own things to build the house of God, right? You use the um, resources of heaven to build God's house. But there is the the cost that you count to build that you will pay for building the house of God is not the revelation and the instrument for building, That God supplies that. Praise God. So it's not that you have to find out, do I have enough money to get revelation or anything? No. It is the cost. So what is the cost that you pay? The cost that you pay is the laying down of your life. That one, God cannot do that for you. No matter the grace, all the grace that's available in heaven, let them bring all the graces down, and they send all the angels in the second heaven to your house to stay with you amen if you have not submitted to the laying down of your life in the way that is compatible with the design of heaven for development the house will not be built praise god so it means the thought of hate not hating father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters and even hating your life that those things count towards the cost of the building of God's house. Amen. So, this thing here, it says, let's read it again. And whosoever does not bear his cross, come after me, cannot be my word, disciple, for which of you, intending to build a tower, siteth not down first, and counted the cost, whether he have what, sufficient to finish it, less haply after he had laid the foundation, and he's not able to finish it, that all that behold, all that behold it, began to mock him. So, when the foundation of Christ is being built in a person, there is a level of cost that that will withdraw from the soul. So, when Christ is laying his foundation, there's an element of, of your life that must be given. So, your life is the payment that you pay it's the, the price that you pay for the building to occur. The more of your life that is laid down, the more of your building that heaven can add to you. Does that make sense? So it says here that when he lays the foundation, after a while he discovers I don't have any more to give, no more resources. It means that someone can have a foundation of Christ laid, and then after a while they realize that they no longer have capacity of life laying down. They can no longer lay down more of their life. Amen. And God, when it comes to your payment of your life, because your life is what you pay to God for his salvation or for his development. When you come to God, God, I want you to develop me. And God will say, okay, you have to pay me to develop you. The payment which you pay me is your life. I must take your life from you in order to what, install my own what, my own development. So this, this idea of Christ here is talking about the, the counting of the cost. When you're counting costs, you're not counting the cost of the foundation alone. You're counting the cost of the building. Are you seeing that? You see why Paul, at some point, you say, I, "I no longer count my life dear to me right before he could get to the point of Galatians chapter two, verse twenty where he said that i 'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, because before crucifixion there is the carrying of the cross. Are you seeing that alignment? Praise God, so Paul in Galatians two verse twenty is speaking from a point of a crucified position, which must have started, according to Jesus' revelation here, by a process of counting. It's the counting of the cross, of the cross, sorry. So if he counted his life dear to him, at some point, he would not have, he wouldn't have gotten to the cross. Jesus Christ himself did the same thing. Jesus himself, who for the joy that was set before him, according to Hebrews chapter chapter 12, praise the Lord. He endured the cross, and despised the shame. So because that joy that was set before him was an expectation that he had in his heart that enabled him to lay down his life. Praise the Lord. So he's saying here that if he, less after he had laid the foundation, he's not able to finish it. And then all that behold it begin to mock him, saying this man began to build and was not able to finish. Praise the Lord. Um, so, part of the teaching, the encouragement of the Lord is to, is to gain, get the heart to buy into the attitude of laying down your life or counting the cost for your life. This thing is one of the hardest things to get believers to do. Praise God, because a lot of Christians who follow the, the message of righteousness, they follow it based on, they have a current bargain of what, what aspect of their life at that time that they are willing to lay, lay down. Praise God. Hallelujah. And they feel that, it's easy to feel that, okay, this little, this aspect now, let's deal with this aspect. This aspect, I'm willing to let this aspect go. Amen. And you will let that go at that time. But as the world increases, like we saw on Wednesday, that Jesus Christ said, come unto me, you who are weary, you who are ever laden, right, and I will give you rest. That's Matthew 11, right? Then he said, take my yoke upon me, learn of me. So as the people begin to learn of the Lord, they begin to learn of him they begin to receive his own yoke and receive his own burden. And so that that burden is a burden of instruction. Praise the Lord. So if the, the, the cost has not been properly counted, there's every tendency for a soul to draw back at some point. Now this thing of counting the cost, these are the words of Jesus, means it's possible for a soul to count the cost. You know what I mean? So I'm not saying, I'm not saying now that you know everything about all of God's demand. And then you sit down and count, okay, you know what I mean? <laughs> but because you don't know that the actual demand comes to you during the journey by revelation. You actually don't know what God is demanding a lot of times. Until, Like the same thing with the building. A lot of times what you have is an estimate at the beginning. Praise God. You have an estimate, and there's no guarantee that that estimate will be accurate. That's the nature of a building. But as you continue to build, you begin to see. But when the real cost of the building begins to come, it matters a lot that at the beginning, there has been an initial counting of cost. And an initial is to engage the heart to a resolve that no matter what happens, I'm going to follow up. Praise God. And so I know this thing when I'm teaching now, both from scripture and I know it from experience too. Amen. I know at what point that counting of cost, began to happen. And when I see a soul, I can tell a soul that has not counted the cost yet. Praise the Lord. And when I see a soul that has counted the cost and they've agreed with it, it's easy to tell it's easy to tell. It's easy to tell by conversation, by, not just conversation. It's easy to tell by when when another, when a hope resides, one of the most difficult things to hide is hope. Right? When, if there is a different hope hidden inside the soul, somewhere it will show through their transaction. It will manifest. If there's a hidden hope hidden somewhere that's Ah, secretly, we don't want to let this one go. It shows up. Because the, the, the conversation that flows from a heart that whose life had been laid down in their resolve is different from a soul who has, who is keeping part of their, their, themselves back from God. It's different because there is a way that it's like Paul's conversation that I, I count it not dear. To me, that if you count your life there somewhere, somehow, there is a way your conversation will be. You you always converse with some kind of security around you. In terms of your dealings, dealings with the, with the Lord, dealings with your brethren, dealings with everything, there will be a sense of some. There's some when you are keeping something. There's a way a soul behaves when it's keeping something. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now, now, that life that we are keeping, Satan is the one who has taught men to keep it, who has programmed men to keep that life at all costs. Fight for it. Do not let it go. Like we seen last time, the reason for that is because he has a plan for it, to use it. And then Jesus, with his prophetic side, praise God, Jesus, with his word prophetic side, Jesus... Jesus sees what men are keeping. And not only that, Jesus can see the potential of what men are keeping. Like he said that he didn't commit himself to, to any man because he knows what is, what is in man. Praise God. And when he was speaking to people, especially, the, especially the, the Jews, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, when he was speaking to them, Jesus spoke to them not, very, not carefully. You know, there's the way he spoke to the others who came to him to ask questions, just the common man, right? It would take time to explain to, okay, this is why, this is this, this is that. Basic teachings. He, will, he will taught principles of faith. People who were not believed, someone who didn't even believe, said, well, I mean, I don't believe, or help my own belief. Jesus was not angry with him. Praise God. But when the, when the Sadducees and Pharisees come, Jesus doesn't even let them talk too much. Before they even begin, he begins to what? To fire, to fire them. And when you, if you are around him, then you wonder why is he, why are he so mean to these guys? They are just asking you questions. Why are you Why are you so angry with them? You are like your father, the devil, brood of vipers. Praise the praise the Lord. Insult. When they brought up Abraham, said, "Look, you are not like your father Abraham. Abraham wasn't like this." Praise God. And, and the reason is because Jesus knew that they, these are, these are not like the common men. All those men knew who Jesus was because they had enough proximity to the law. They had enough of what it, it should take for a person to, what, to be able to discern who the Messiah is. Praise God. Do you see that? Amen. So. In Jesus' conversation, Jesus um, is speaking he's you know, Jesus taught the kingdom. That was his teaching on earth. His main teaching was the teaching of the kingdom or things concerning the kingdom. And, And when you take the kingdom, you open up the kingdom, you're talking about the kingdom or the teaching of the kingdom is the revelation of the will of God and the things about the will. Of God. That was what Jesus was possessed with the will of God. He said, My food, my meat is to do the will of Him, all that sent me. He said, to finish the work, His work and His will. Praise the Lord. Now, so Jesus' sight of the, of the will of God is where He's speaking from in this place. So He could see, He sees men as they are. That's why sometimes He's hostile to some men. Because he doesn't just see them as they are, he sees what they have, but he also sees the potential of man. Jesus sees the potential of man, all of men. The way like he discerns Judas, right? He saw, how did Jesus know? Do you th- I don't think it was mainly a vision, maybe, maybe they played a video to him, okay, this is the day of your betrayal, this is the guy that will come and kiss you and all that. Okay, I saw it in the vision. You are the one. That was. Will... I don't think so. I think. I think as as Jesus Judas came around him, I, I'm sure by his conversing with his nature, yeah. right? By conversing with the nature of Judas, he was. He could see. He could tell. He could extract deep. He could. He could plot the prophetic trajectory of those attributes, the nature of the man. And that this man is a devil. Have I not chosen you all? And one of you is a devil. Yeah. Yeah. Praise God. So Jesus must have known he was a devil for a long time, even when the manifestation of devil hasn't yet fully been known. Because Judas was walking with the other disciples, they couldn't discern him. That means he was too behaving like them, doing things with them. They went out together, came in together. Amen. But Jesus could see what is the potential of, of the, the nature of the devil on the inside of him. Are you seeing that? So w- when, you, when you see Jesus speaking here, you have to know that, have that understanding about Jesus, otherwise you won't understand his words. That's why Jesus will boldly come and say, except you hate father, you hate mother. Praise God, brother and sister. That seems like a very mean and wicked thing to say. Praise God. But Jesus is speaking because he, because he sees that thing called father it's not what you see as father, mother, brother, sisters. What, when he sees that thing, he's able to, he knows there's a good part of it from his walk and the way he treated his mother and everybody. You know that he respected her. He had respect for all those things. But he could see there's something inside that place that is a weapon of Satan. That it's just a matter of time it will mature. And when it's mature, it becomes a monster yeah. in man. So, every soul who will follow him must lay those things down to a point where even their life is laid down. Wow. Do you get that? Yes. They must, and then to, to be able to see what that thing is, to lay it down, it will take a lot of sight. You take a lot of revelation. Yes. Praise God. So here, Jesus Christ um, is, is actually speaking concerning, like the way we, we arrived here, we saw what um, was said concerning Levi, right? He said that, that he, he also, he did not regard his own descent, his own appearance and all of that. In that, in that sense, when it came to aligning with the will of God, we saw the same thing, you saw the same thing with the priesthood of Melchizedek, that that same attribute, right, in the book of Hebrews chapter 7, said having no descent, no, no beginning of life, no what end of this, but was made like unto the Son of God. Amen. So, so you realize that the, the reason for that thing is to, why those things have to be broken is the, the inherent capacity of the natural side of men, amen, amen, to stand against the program of God. That was the reason why at some point God said the natural man is not good enough. We can't repair him. We can't fix him. We're not going to even try and do anything to him. We must bring another man. Amen. If at all, if there was any hope for the natural man, someone like John, Abba, John the Baptist, right? John the Baptist would have, the, the life he lived and everything, he would have been able to come into the kingdom, come and possess the kingdom. But it says that no man had, had risen like unto John, but even the least in the kingdom is greater than John because there's something about the natural man. John was a, John was a, Pure natural man who could could align his natural soul. So John had a natural soul with which he was using to operate the spirit. Operate the realm of the spirit or things that concern the spirit. I'm not talking about John's spirit man now. I'm talking about his soul. Are you following me? Let's be together, please. We're going somewhere today. We're talking of John's soul. Amen. Amen. John's soul was a natural soul. It was a living soul. But that natural soul, they took the natural soul into the wilderness and raised the natural soul in the wilderness using imparting weight and measure of spiritual essence into a natural soul. And he was able to carry it by God's grace, and he was able to use it. But God God says that that natural soul, amen, God will not trust the natural soul when it comes to his kingdom. God trusted John with every other thing. Every other thing God trusted John. But when it comes to the kingdom, the kingdom of God is not compatible with the natural man. Is very very clear that the point where the kingdom begins to open to it. So, let's say someone gets born again. Of course, when they get born again, their spirit has become Christ; it's become the spiritual man. But the soul is still a natural man. When God looks at that soul, this is still a fully natural soul. God will never open His kingdom to that soul, even though it's a Christian. The kingdom will never open to a natural soul. For the kingdom to begin to open, praise God. That soul must have begun to take leaps from his nature. Praise God. Or from the natural nature into the spiritual nature. Leaps must be taken from the natural, just the nature, right? Into what? The spiritual nature. Amen. Amen. And I was saying last time, we reestablished that God, when it comes to the things of God, he doesn't flow through that natural channel. He doesn't, those natu- the way that that natural thing has to do with how our life on the earth is organized, right, the organization of life on the earth, communal life, family life, and all of those things. Those things are established, they're actually almost kind of institutions that God has established upon the earth that men are born into. But there comes a time that God will say, these things are here. You can use them. Praise God. That's what he was saying in the book of John chapter 17, that I'm not praying to take them out of the world, no, but that you will keep them from the evil because in the world, there is evil in the world, praise God. And the evil in the world is married to the natural order of the world. There is a natural order of the world. The way this natural order is not in some... Government house somewhere. The natural order is in your household, where you came from. Your, your family. Your, are you seeing that order of family? There are very few, very few, almost non-existent, very few families on earth that have been able to climb out of a natural order into a spiritual order. Most families, on I mean, the, the order of life. In other words, what life is the family designed and, and built to, to push, to carry. Praise God. You know, they say the family is the smallest unit of life. Amen. But that life that they speak about there is the natural life, the life that funds natural living. So the, the family is an organization that is meant to prosper that life, is meant to take care of that life, develop the life, make when you give birth to kids, make kids skilled in that life, and make them able to go and have their own family, and continue that natural. Are you getting what I'm saying? And so, a natural life is not bad. One of the main reasons for the natural, the God's creation of the natural order, is for, is for some kind of preservation. There's a preservation that the family gives, praise the Lord, which if you, are, you take somebody out of a family and they don't have a family, there, is a, there are things they will be exposed to that someone who is within a functional family will not be exposed to. death can easily thrive when you break fully out of the natural order, but not by the spirit. Are you getting me? So when you go into the family and destroy the family and you break down the family and, and kids go their own way and they don't respect their father, they dishonor their father and their parents and their mother and they do their own thing, that thing is of the devil. Because there's an inherent preservation of life. We started from Adam, praise God, in that natural order. But when it's time to bring another kingdom, praise God, men should begin to, to move. You saw Jesus took that leap from the, his own natural order into what? His what? Spiritual, Spiritual order. They came to a point where he was, sorry, he was with his disciples. And then they came to say, oh, it's your mother and your brother or someone, they are, they are looking for you, they are calling you. He said, no, that my mother and brother and sisters are all these people who are listening to me. That, so what it meant is the blood, the, 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 the union, what was connecting Jesus and his disciples, not just the twelve, who he called disciples. He said that if you continue in my word, then you will what be my disciple, and then you will know the truth and the truth. So those who are continuing in his word, his word binds the, the word, praise the Lord. Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. The word creates. The word brings, it, it generates a different DNA in a soul. When, without the words of Christ, you only have a natural DNA. DNA means your life code. When the word of Christ, the words of Jesus, he said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. When his word begins to come, the word of God begins to generate another DNA in the soul. I don't mean body DNA. You know, there's the DNA of your body from your parents that's running in your body. That's not all the DNA you have. Even before you got born again, your soul has its own DNA. Every man has a DNA. DNA just means the coding of life, laws of life. Praise the Lord. So, so we start with that that natural DNA, but when you begin to hear the word, the the purpose of the word is to create another DNA, another code of life. And as the word begins to, to increase and begins to prosper in the life of a person, what happens? Another genealogy, another lineage begins to form the lineage of the spirit Another order begins to form. And that thing, the word, the word increases as it increases and increases, the strength of that, that order, that genealogy begins to increase. After a while, it overtakes the natural one. The point where the, the power, the strength of the natural genealogy in a man of, of tips over the natural, the doors of the kingdom When is that point? It's the point where a man becomes more controlled by his spiritual genealogy than his natural genealogy. So, it's not about fighting with your father or your mother. It's not about that. <laughs> you know, discover that when you move into the higher genealogy, there is even more wisdom and power there to manage natural But Satan will have men trapped in the natural. The reason why he wants you trapped in the natural is not because he loves your family life, he loves your relationship with your father and your mother. He wants you to continue to live naturally well. No, it's because he he has his own, he has his own, he has his own plans which are against God, which that natural is the only thing that is disposed to his use. That's why salvation, men quickly crossing over. Is the, is the, that's what Jesus came to do. That's the agenda of heaven. Make men quickly move from the natural into the spirit. Quickly move from the natural into the spirit. Because when you, are, you stay in the natural... You are a candidate. Let me tell you, this is the honest truth. This is the honest truth. Let me tell you the honest truth. You know in army, there are different levels. See? They're the ones they call recruits. I don't know too much about the army. but I feel like those are the, the lowest level. Anybody who's staying in the natural, you're already recruited for the devil. That's at the, some people have climbed further, but at the barest minimum, you are what, you are already recruited for him. Why? Because in the natural man lies the capacity to wage war against God. You can deny it all you like. You can say, no, I'm born again. I'm a Christian. I speak in tongues all you want. But it's the truth. That's what the scripture is teaching. That's what we've been looking at. You have the capacity to make war against God. So these are the things that when Jesus saw men on the earth, these are the things he was seeing in men. He was just seeing seeing candidates of rebellion against his father. Praise! Are we seeing that? So let's continue. I just said all that to give us an idea of where Jesus is coming from. So So we're still in Luke chapter 14, right? Now in verse 29, okay, let's see verse 31. He now says, oh, for what king going to make war against another king Seated not down first, and consulted whether he be able with ten thousand to meet him that cometh against him with twenty thousand, or else why the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage, and desireth what conditions of what of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he had. He cannot be my disciples. Praise God. Are you seeing what they're saying there? Like one king wants to go and make war with another king. He won't just go and fight. Well, let's say another king is coming. You're hearing someone is coming to fight. And the war is like the natural trajectory for war to happen. So the, the moment that, is, that begins to occur, before the time of the war get, arrives, you better think and say, okay, if this war actually comes right now, do we have what it takes to fight the war? And so take account. And if you discover you don't have enough, what should you do? Before the war arrives, quickly go and do what? Go and make peace. Go and make peace. Now, the devil doesn't like any kind of account. Don't let men take account. He doesn't like that. Don't take account. Just keep living. Because... Why does, why? Because he knows that if men begin to take account, they will begin to realize that they don't have what it takes. That when the man of war comes for war, a man cannot stand against God. So this kingdom, these two kings here is talking about two kingdoms. And that this war they are speaking of is going to happen. It's prophesied in the scripture. Like we are moving in the end time, we are moving towards the time when men can no longer be in the middle anymore. Because deception is, is falling away. Men are moving from just being believers. Believers of what they don't know, like most Christians. Are. We believe in God, but well, we don't really know him. Praise the Lord. To men who begin to be, to be more lovers and making choice concerning where they want to go and who they want to follow. But the devil doesn't want you to think right now ahead of time and calculate. Because he knows if a soul begins to take account of this thing, which is what to take account is by, this, is by revelation, by the scripture. That's how you quickly take account. How do you count? How do you, how do you try to count? This count is the count of the soul. Praise God. The count of what? Of the soul. By revelation. In other words, they must reveal to you who God is. The more they reveal to you who God is, the more you begin to realize how, how, how frail, how weak you are against Him. So if it so counts by revelation, like if the scripture opens up and they begin to reveal who this man is, this man that, the, or what am I saying, man, this God, although he's embodied in the stature of a man like Jesus, when the scripture begins to unveil who he is, men will begin to realize that, praise God, they begin to realize that there is nothing that can be done against him. But the devil doesn't want the account, but what he wants is for the soul to be developed and postured against God to a point where it can no longer come back. Are you getting what I'm saying? Until that day, that day of this battle they are speaking about is the day of judgment. Judgment. Praise the Lord. So what king is going to make up with another king? Sitted not down first and consulted whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000. Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassade and desired what? The conditions, desired conditions of peace. Amen. So what, what um, the Lord wants his people to do is begin to take count, when you're taking count, you'll be pushed towards making peace. This peace is making peace with God. Say making peace with God. Making peace with God. So, if a person just naturally, you tell someone, make peace with God, they don't realize why they need to make peace. Because... Must be able to see where the soul is going. That the devil is setting men up for a face to face clash with God. And every soul will get to that point in one day, one day. Amen. And especially in the times and the days that we are living in, in these days. One of the key things that we need to, to do is be able to discern the day and discern the time. We are living in the end times. right? The end time is a season where when souls are getting to their end. It's, the end time means it's a time of maturity of souls. Well, those who are wicked are maturing into wickedness. Those who are righteous are maturing into righteousness. Then, so one of the things that makes end time a very dicey time is that is that choice is compelled upon you. That's the difference between an end time and see times before. Because in generations before, there are a lot of people who lived on the earth who relatively were not that serious about making choice in terms of following the Lord with their soul, who just got born again. And their lifetime passed, and then maybe they went to heaven. Do you see that? So they were not faced with that choice Praise God. Or there wasn't enough time in their own lifetime to, for their souls to journey towards the end. Praise God. Or of whatever trajectory their soul is in. But in this end time, the end time is when there is, there are enough, there's enough presence and, of the forces, of spiritual forces upon the earth, both forces of darkness and forces of light, that is, they are strong enough to drive souls to the end. That if a soul is just being wicked, little, he doesn't have what it takes to remain little, a little wicked soul. There's too much power of wickedness and darkness and la- darkness, light of darkness on the earth to, to expose the soul. soul it's hard for a soul to hide in ignorance of just being a bad a little bit. Not being too bad. Just, let me just be a little bad. <laughs> Praise God. Just be a little, little, you know, before some guys like, are like that. You know, you're a Christian, you're, you're not too serious about the things of God. You don't take it seriously. You just get born again and then you do your own thing. Praise God. And there are parts of the world that you like. So you, those parts of the world you like, you open your heart to them. And you are worldly in that sense. And, and a lifetime can pass that way. You don't make any advancement to the will of God. But nothing really pushes you farther into destruction. Or into enmity with God. Praise the Lord. But in this day and time, that can hardly happen. Because this is the end time. Say end times time. Is that any little bad or evil that you have, there are a plenty powerful spirits that are willing to receive your little bad and turn it into a monstrosity. You can't hide anymore. You can't hide from, you can't hide from rebellious nature. Nature that natures that rise in hatred, blasphemy against God. The thought of blasphemy, the hearts of souls cannot be willfully closed against blasphemous thought. You walk out of your house, you engage blasphemous thought day and night. And souls have no defense against it. Men openly blaspheming the the way of God and the name of God. Hearts joining into conversations that men were afraid, things that were abominations before concerning God and the person of God. Men are playing with those thoughts simply, easily. Things against God's order, against God's nature. You can't hide from it. That's the world we live in. Do Do you get what I'm saying? So the end time is a time when there's so much investment of spiritual entity, spiritual power and resources to drive souls. Souls will move quickly. Souls will journey quickly. Are you seeing that? So that time is, is important. Jesus spoke also was speaking um, in this time of Jesus, his own generation, and then for the men, so most of the men that Jesus was speaking to, in terms of his disciples, Jesus knew that many of them would, that their own generation was an end generation. Praise God. Do, you, do we believe? Are, are, we, are we hearing today? Are we, are we learning? Praise God. Do you feel understanding is coming across? I'm trying to do a very hard job this morning. Praise God. The hard job I'm trying to do, by God's grace, is to use plenty of words, to, to paint an idea, just a simple idea. You know, it's just one idea we've been, the, the Lord has been trying to get across to us. But sometimes, the idea it might not lay hold of it. it might not really, you know, you just come. You know, the scripture, peace with God, and all that, and then you can quote it. You can summarise the message. But there's a way it was to go deep, and sometimes you need words. To really, really praise the Lord, to really bring it home, Amen. Amen. Now, so Jesus is that generation—the generation of Peter, John, praise God, James—all those all those people who Jesus was speaking to. That those men were in an end time generation. That time was an end time. Now you know, of course, end time now is not physical timing, right? It's not, you know. So end time is not, not the way scripture puts it, it's not end of the world, end of existence, no. speaking about the natural end. We're talking about, the scripture speaks about end time for the soul. That's what the scripture speaks when it says end times. Praise the Lord. So end times upon the earth is a time when there is enough investment of things investment of resources, praise God, investment of light to drive souls to their end. Now, the reason why this happened here was why? Because of Jesus. Do you agree with that? Because of what? Jesus and the life which he began to live in the flesh. Praise God. The life which He did what began before Jesus Christ came, men were very, very ignorant, both in darkness and in light. Right? Men were very what ignorant, both in what in darkness and in what light. When you meet a man on the street anywhere, he's an ignorant man. He knows nothing concerning what the devil is doing. He knows nothing concerning what God is doing. He's just living in the pool of his natural life. Do You understand? Then suddenly a man came. The Lord brought Judas Iscara, sorry, um, John the Baptist first. And then John the Baptist began to talk and, and praise God. They took him and they made him arise. He said, right, like no man had a reason like unto John, of all men born of a woman. So suddenly someone like, like John, because, and it took a great investment of the spirit. When they say that John was filled with the Holy Ghost, from his mother's womb. They're talking about a release of a dispensation of the spirit. That kind of thing had not happened before. So a release of the Holy Ghost to drive development. That was what that Holy Ghost, it wasn't Holy Ghost inside his spirit man. It was Holy Ghost, it's it's, it's possible that the Holy Ghost was in the womb there, just around the soul of baby, baby John. The way he kicks against his mom's Tummy, womb, the way he plays, Holy Ghost was involved in how he was playing, in his, the way he feels the amniotic fluid. There were, <laughs> you don't believe such things? You don't think it's possible? You know that's where development starts, right? The way he's feeling it, the way everything in his mind, they are shaping his, his, his brain, they are creating pathways, all kinds of things, preparing him for the, the life of the Spirit. Praise the Lord. So the Holy Ghost was there and the Holy Ghost stayed, stayed with him. Right, he stayed with him, raising him, moved him into the wilderness, was teaching him and was causing him to arise. Now, it's not possible that John will be arising and then there won't be doorway open to import spirits from hell. as well. By the time God begins to, in fact, from the moment that God has sent the Holy Ghost to develop John, Satan would have showed up there and told God, you can't be sending Holy Ghost. <laughs> Praise God. The same way he must have argued when God planted tree of life. You can't just plant tree of life. You must give me my own space to plant my own tree. And God cannot deny him. Praise God. In fact, before God even sent Holy Ghost, God would have probably maybe sent a telegram. Okay, we want to do something right now. So... <laughs> You have your own allocation. May I have my own allocation? Praise God. Then when, when after John came, he began to announce Jesus. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. Now what's the meaning of that? The kingdom of God, it means that a man is coming to whom kingdom will open. Right? And for, for such a man, for such a time to come, there are many things that are involved. It seems that a man is coming who will soon arise. He will get to where I am, and he will, he will leap out of the natural order, into the order of the spirit, and cause the doors of the kingdom to open. Now, all the resources it takes to do that, there's the resources of the Holy Ghost. Then they are the resources of angels, spiritual activity, season of light. I believe, I believe angels' door was open for angels from heaven to begin to come, developing Jesus, developing Jesus, developing Jesus. Same thing, angels from hell, wherever he puts them, must have also come as well to bring temptation. Amen. So as Jesus was being raised, Demons from hell are not just demons. Wicked spirits were, from hell were also, you know, I believe those Pharisees were about the age of Jesus. So who developed them? Their stature. Their hellish spirits. The, the other spirits. So as you are, if you are raising a Jesus, means somewhere you must be raising a Judas. You must be raising Carpheus, Annas, the high priest who killed him, all the Jews, all of those wicked men. Those brood of vipers were being raised by evil spirits. It means that the season of the world changed. It became a time where men can move towards an end. The ability for men to move towards an end end of either darkness or destruction or, or end of life. Are you seeing that? You see how development can change the times, can change the season. That was what happened. So that time, that's when Jesus said at that time, there are many of you who will not die until you see the, the, the Son come, until you see the kingdom come. He was speaking to a generation. Praise God. At that point, Paul was writing, I'm telling you, and John was writing that these are the, the last times. These are the last times. So he was writing, speaking concerning the state of the souls at that era. Does that make sense to you? So, Amen. Are we blessed? Yes, sir. So it means that the last time is according to the opening of light. Yes, it means what kind of work do they permit to be done upon where? Upon the earth. So you see, after that first generation, God made many of those generations who journeyed to their end to die with their light. Many of them died with their light. God allowed a lot of things to happen. God allowed the dark ages to come upon the church, where at that time a lot of light of the early church was buried upon the earth. God is interesting. When you think of that dark ages time, maybe the time when that the Catholic Church and all of those things, those guys were doing their things. Do you know that as they were they were burying the light of the gospel? Some 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 demons were also going back to hell. Not demons, some spirits. Do you agree? If scripture opens spirits from above come. Spirit from beneath comes. Do you get one? Because light, revelation, word is the currency by which they operate. When there is no access to any to word around, they, they can't do anything. Like if you bring a spiritual wickedness right, into a season, let's say a season of people where people don't know anything about God. All they know is, God, meet my daily bread, give me food to eat. And don't let me die, let me not die young. That's all they know about God. They don't know anything more than that. For such people, when you bring a spiritual wickedness from the second heaven, he comes around such a soul, there's nothing they can do. In terms of their own darkness they carry, there is no way to bring it. Do you get, sir? There is no way for them to, because what they are carrying, the, the, the destruction that they are pregnant with, it doesn't, it doesn't flow in the conversion of bread to eat alone. <laughs> there is nothing that they can impute to that conversation. Not they send demons. Demons are the ones who are, who worry about such things. But let, but in that time, then bring an apostolic grace, and that they can begin to open, bring light and cause sight to occur means that you can begin to raise a higher level of service to god then you also activate other spirits as well spirits that can act contrary to that light and to that revelation are we making sense today So, mere religious souls. Now, you see, Amen. man, is gone. Thank you. Let's see a bit more of what Jesus thought. Praise God. So so Jesus was, when Jesus came, check his positioning. Jesus was positioned against the natural order of man. That was his position. He was positioned against the natural order. That's what he was saying when he, came, when he said that I didn't come to bring peace on earth but I came to bring a sword. Jesus Christ said that. He just was, was teaching the same. Actually, he came to bring peace. We know that, right? He's the prince of peace. That's really what, if you want to summarize what he came to bring to the adults, the, the angel, like even Gabriel even said it concerning Jesus. That goodwill on earth and peace so man, that was what Jesus Christ came. He said he came and he preached peace to them that were far off. Praise God. So Jesus came for peace, but that's what he said, and it's not my peace. My own peace is different, not as the world gives. Now, the peace which the world gives, Jesus actually came to bring a sword against that peace. Amen. And any, any soul that accepts Jesus' message, but you don't accept the sword, to touch the arrangement of peace that the natural life gives is not a complete acceptance of Jesus. Let's see, let's see that. That's, I think that was chapter 14. Sorry, chapter 12, right? But praise the Lord. Amen. Luke chapter 12. <clears throat> amen. But they say Amen. Luke chapter 12, verse 49, says, I am come, that's Jesus speaking, right? He said, I am come to send fire on the earth, and what will I if it be already kindled? He said, but I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how am I straightened till it be accomplished? Suppose ye that I am come to give peace on earth, means do you think I came to give peace? I tell you, nay, but rather division. For from henceforth, there shall be five in one household, in one house divided. Three against two, two against three. The father shall be divided against the son. The son against the father. The mother against the daughter. The daughter against the mother. The mother-in-law against the daughter-in-law. The daughter-in-law against what? Her mother-in-law. Praise God. So you see, Jesus is speaking about the division that he's bringing, right? It's very, very very clear. He's telling you, I'm bringing a division against the, what you call house, right? That ends forth. It means any time I come, when you see a natural place, and this thing, it never fails, never, never fails. Bring Christ to anywhere there's a natural order. Things can never continue. Way they were. That's what Paul was saying, that he's a, a stumbling block, a rock of offense. He will, he, will offend, he will offend many. When you bring Christ to any place there's a natural order, what happens? There shall be five in one house. They will be divided. Three against two. Two against three. Because by the time his knowledge begins to come, men, begins to choose. men begin to choose. Some begin to count the cost. Some don't count the cost. Some are not interested. Some, they don't like the conversation. It's not easy to change an order of life. Because of what it demands. Because of what it takes. Praise the Lord. Because of what it, taught, it actually requires from his soul. just so much that I just want to pick the right things, praise the Lord, because of time. Amen. Father, we thank you. The father shall be divided against the son, the son against the father, the mother against the daughter, the daughter against the mother. All right? The mother in law against her daughter-in-law, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Amen. Read verse 54, he says, And he said also to the people that when you see a cloud rise out of the west, straight away you say there cometh a shower, and so it is. And when you see the south wind blow, you say there will be heat and come to pass. Ye hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky and of the earth. But how is it that you did not discern this time? Ye and why even yourself judge ye not what is right? Praise God. You can discern, it means that you guys are actually liars. All of those men, they all knew Jesus was the son of God. They knew he was the Christ. They knew. They had enough. No, he wasn't speaking to the commoners there. He was, so Jesus is speaking to people who, who can discern who he is, but are not willing to pay the price for what the implication? If let's say we accept now that this man is the Messiah, he's the Son of God. What does that mean? Can you? They, their head is not willing to begin to now think of what follows next. Does that means that this admitting this now means that ha? This admission will touch everything because you can't admit that this man is the Christ and then not now be compelled to take what he's saying seriously. That's the reason why we don't like to count the cost. It's easier to teach these things, to see these things as just, ah, well, well, this is a nice message. It speaks to me. It ministers to me right now. It's blessing me. uh, It's it's more, it's, it's rich. I can learn things from it. I can pick things from it. There are lessons that are good, it's good, you know, household, you know, ordering my life and all that. But to really come to terms with that, these things are the express speakings of God. And the absolute claims of this word. Sometimes we've not come to terms with the absolute claims of the word. The absolute claim, claims concerning. Life and death. Claims concerning eternal life. and Praise God. Because when you, when you discern the time, let's see that verse 58. It says, when thou goest with an adversary to the magistrate, as thou art in the way, give diligence that thou mayest be delivered from him, lest he hail thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and the officer cast thee into prison. This is the same kind of thing just was saying in chapter 14 where he was speaking about the two kings that want to do in a trajectory of war and then one should take a count and see if he has what it takes for that war. And if he doesn't have, quickly go and make peace. Here he's using a different thing about two adversaries. One says, I'm taking you to court. We are going before the judge. And says, you take, praise the Lord, He says, as as thou art in the way, give diligence that thou may be delivered from him. It means that if you know that when the time of judgment opens up, that you will be found wanting, you have to quickly on the way, settle with him, make peace with him. Before you get to the judge, the judge hand it to the officer and the praise God. So the, the urgency Today is just trying to create the urgency in our heart concerning peace with God. What will raise that urgency is your discernment of the times. Your discernment of the time. If you don't discern the time or if you are hypocritical about the times, I mean, hypocrite, you want to lie about it. You want to, you see it, but you want to act like you don't really see it. Like, you want to, you want to, you, the evidence is there, but you don't want to look too much at the evidence. Because, and, and such a heart, if you, if you choose to ignore some, a truth that is there, when you look the other side, you have other, you have other spirits that are willing to, They are willing to engage your imagination in the other direction to fuel your ignorance of the truth. Occupy you. Make you not think of those things you know to be true and evident and live in another reality where that doesn't demand your counting of the cost for your life. Ignore it. Just, just how oh, these extra revelations again? Ah, uh-uh. these ones uh, are. Let's leave these ones first. Praise God. When it comes to standards of living, you may compromise. us so, most all of us are young here. Praise God. One of the greatest areas of comprom- compromises are our associations. Mm-hmm. Our life, how we, how we choose to, because this is a time of growth, development, for us. And the most important thing to your development is your associations. Yeah. Yeah. Are you getting? The, when you, willful ignorance, willful ignorance diminishes the, diminishes the urgency of making peace with God, yeah. Yeah. right? When the revelation is coming, the standard is coming, you know that you are not aligning with the standard, but you are not ready to count the cost that it will take to align your life to that standard. You can apply the, the method. Devilish method of willful ignorance. Ignore it and face another place. And when you move face another place, you look, they show you another world where all those things are okay. Those things that are against the standard which the revelation is bringing. Praise God. On this side, you see the standard of life that you should live. Many standards. Can two walk together except they agree? No. When you see the dictate of this standard, it tells you okay, if you are to walk with God, so can, this is the kind of person that you can marry. This is the kind of person that can be your husband or your wife. You see the standard. Hey! When you see the standard, you. You just act like it's not there. (laughs) Then you act like it's not there. Then on this side, you have a whole world of life you are living. That is void of the standard that has been shown to you. In this side, this other side that's void of the standard, there is okay. You know, a boy called, I like you. (laughs) We just... You know, we just we just vibe. Our soul just gels together. There's the way we flow. You know, we can. You know, you're my best friend. With the, with the, are, you, are you seeing that, all those things? You just be, you be getting revelation. Ah, this, wow. Ha. I need you in my life. And that place is the world. In other words, you can, you can foresee, you can foresee you guys getting married, you being best friends, you being happy, you being everything. You can see, you can see how it will happen. It's just evidence is everywhere. We can we skilled spirit. You know, when they create a life a world for you, they, they add the emotions, they add the feeling, they add the idea. Everything is there. It's like a movie, like real life. This is what, this is what kills young people. This is what kills young people. Young people. Because this time, this is a time for counting the cost, counting the cost, living soberly, soberly. Opening your heart to heaven, to furnish development. Amen. That's one example. I can go on, but there's no time to be giving examples too much. Are you getting me? But what the Lord is saying to us is that this is not the generation for that kind of thing. Do you understand that? Yeah. If, you know, there's a way we saw this gospel. It's like, ah, well, just choose your estate, right? After you're born again, we all go to heaven. I think you're a Christian and all. So you just choose. If you don't want to be anything in heaven, that's up to you. waste your, your spiritual life here. Yeah? If you want to really, really inherit and come and be one with God, then you must really, really journey. You know, there's a way you see that light. But that thing, that thing is true as a general sense. But not in this kind of generation. Yeah. Is that? It's almost—it's almost too clear. When I look at the world right now, I cannot foresee. I can't foresee us living another how many—two, three, four decades on the earth without your soul getting to a point where you where. With, without souls getting to some kind of a, a decision point, some kind of to get into a place where you will fall either on this side or the other are you getting what I'm saying yes. and we are the ones who think who are you just thinking today because right now you can ignore the standard and you still have a way you are living you can still come to meeting you are still a, a brother you are still and everything but the, the spirit we are working with this is planning for tomorrow we don't even you don't know the evils that will be in the world the next five years, you don't know what kind of evils will will be in the world. You don't know if you can carry on the life you're living now, right? You don't know if you can carry on the life, the compromised life you're living now like this for the next five, ten years without you ending up at that time in full-blown warfare with You're just assuming, you know the way you feel right now. That I can still muster up some, I still love you somewhere, God, you know I still like you. <laughs> so, so, so this was Jesus' language. Jesus was speaking concerning the times. When Paul came, Paul picked up what Jesus was saying, the same conversation of Christ. When John came, John picked it up. Are you seeing the tone of those men? That's, that's the tone for this time. Praise the Lord. And for this for this day, and age. You can see it all played out in the scripture, in the book of Psalm, We see Psalm chapter one was speaking about the, the the godly man, right? Say, so bless is the man who walketh not in the word, counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor then was seated. You know that's a graduation. Praise God! And then he described the righteous man, whose delight is in love of the Lord and all that. Then he spoke concerning the ungodly later, that the ungodly will not stand in where? The ungodly. So that ungodly, that, that stature of the ungodly that will not stand in the judgment, that ungodly man, by the time, that, see that judgment is, is a destination. Praise the Lord. That, but he didn't start with that stature of ungodliness. He started with the counsel of the ungodly. Right. There's the counsel. So someone can be a Christian, born again, New Testament Christian, but you, you carry, what is, what is counsel? Counsel is the specific instruction of life that you are carrying out. Do you get what I mean? So if I want to check what is the counsel you are, you are, you are using, now, I won't check. I won't ask you, I won't discuss theology with you or ask you for the revelation you know. If you tell me about your revelation, it might not include your counsel at all. Yes, sir. You can tell me all your revelations and you've not spoken about your counsel. Yes, I can't read your counsel. Because the Bible says counsel in the heart of a man is as deep waters." It takes a man of understanding. It means it takes a man who knows where counsel hides. To go there and draw it out. Are you you getting me? You now realize that counsel is not revelation. Counsel is more tied to the feet, the deeds, what is being done. So you now check that many New Testament Christians who are reading the Word, who are reading the Word of righteousness, are carrying the counsel of the ungodly. The counsel of the ungodly is the kind of instruction, motivation, thought. That whose trajectory is the stature of ungodliness that disqualifies a man in the day of judgment of God. Does that make sense to you? Praise the Lord. Then you see that, that chapter one of Psalm now went into chapter two of Psalm. Praise God. Then when they moved to chapter two of Psalm. Chapter two so, now began to, to now explain. Yes. See that ungodly counsel, yes. that ungodly man who didn't stand in the judgment. They have, there is a, there is something. Praise God. Let's let's read Psalm, please. Now, when those men were walking in the counsel of the ungodly, they didn't know that what they were being prepared for is war with God. Eh? Maybe they thought they were just trying to live a simple life. I don't like too much Wahala, all these things, all these extreme spirituality, all these I just want to live a simple life. Amen. But they didn't know. Praise God. And then at the end of chapter one, praise God, it says, For the Lord knoweth the way of right the righteous. He says, But the way of the ungodly shall perish. And this was one letter they were just writing. Later they separated it into chapters. Then the next thing he said, Why do the heathen rage? And the people imagine a vain thing. So the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. So now you see these kings of the earth, who are they? These are the matured ungodly men who started by just walking in the counsel of the ungodly. Nobody nobody planned out to say we are going to be kings of, of the earth to take counsel against God. It doesn't, nobody starts out that way. Are you getting me? Mm-hmm. So he says, why do the hidden rage, the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. So let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cause from us. Then he that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh and the Lord shall have them in the region. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in where he They said, I have set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said unto me, thou art my son, this day have I begotten. You ask of me, and I will give thee the heathen for thy inheritance. And then what? The uttermost what? Parts of what? The earth. For thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings. Be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son. That would kiss. this, make peace with him. Amen. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry, and he perish from the way, when his wrath is kindled, but a little. Bless her, all that put a trust in him. Praise God. So say, kiss the Son. Kiss the son. This is the time when the time to this is the time to kiss the Son. This, that's what this message is beckoning you for. Come and kiss the Son until the, before the day of his wrath comes. Praise God. God's desire is for his children to dwell in peace with him. Because he knows those who refuse peace with him will, will fall into the ranks of the enemy. Praise God. There's a side of this message where we declare just the love of God, the mercy, and all that. But it's not this, this one today. The Lord is warning us about something. Yeah. Yeah. Praise God. There's a place I'm flowing from. I don't usually flow from this place. But if I, I can't draw back from it, the Lord is speaking yeah. expressly. And, and I, I believe this word is, I, I sense it is targeted at specific individuals. I believe. Praise the Lord. that is speaking to To certain, there are certain bargains of souls that souls have made, souls who the Lord is extending his mercy to, who are bargaining with the truth. Praise God. Amen. But God's will. Sorry. Okay, praise God. Oh. Praise the Lord. See. The desire of God is for men to be at peace with Him. But the, that desire is not a selfish desire. It is a desire um, because there is no other alternative. Amen. We saw in Isaiah chapter 32, 32 sorry, that, you know, He said that my people shall, He said the work of righteousness shall be peace, right? And the effect of righteousness, what? Quietness and what? Assurance forever. And the next verse began to speak about the habitation. That quietness and assurance forever. Praise God. Then it now spoke about the habitation of peace. Say, my people shall dwell in what? A peaceful habitation and what? And secure dwelling places. Am I correct? Sure. Sure dwelling and what? Isaiah 32? Quiet resting. quiet resting places. Peaceful habitation. Sure what? Short dwelling. Sure dwelling. And in them what? Rest, resting quiet resting places. Peaceful habitation. Mm-hmm. Sure dwelling. Then quiet what? Resting Rest Rest place. Now, quiet resting place is when a soul has got into a quiet resting place, that is, the soul has come into eternal life. Yeah. Right? A short sure dwelling is everlasting life. Right, everlasting life is the sure life. Sure means it is it's lasting. But the peaceful habitation is the what you call the habitation of peace. The word the habitation of peace is Zion. Zion is from where the people graduate into everlasting life. Praise God. So the habitation of peace, the word habitation of peace or peaceful habitation, is actually is the meaning of the word Jerusalem. Right or he called is the city like Mount Zion, the city of the great God. So that city is the is the habitation of where of peace, Mount Zion, or Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the is the city of peace. Praise God. Isaiah prophesied about Jerusalem in. Isaiah chapter 2 the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 2 when he said "It shall come to pass and the the mountain of the Lord's house shall be raised above other mountains and then all nations will flow into it and they shall come and say let us go to the house of the Lord to the house of the God of Jacob for he will teach us his ways and he will cause so when Jesus was saying, Come unto me, all ye who are weary, who are heavy laden, I will give you rest. For you. So that was actually a calling into Zion. Right? The calling into his own habitation of peace. I think in that place of Isaiah chapter 2, the, it was a, a burden. He said the burden of the word of the Lord towards Judah and towards Jerusalem. Right? Is that what it says, verse 1? Okay, the word of Isaiah. Okay. Okay. Let, let's read it, please. I'm sorry. Let's just go. Isaiah chapter two. Praise God. It says the word that Isaiah the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Said it shall come to pass when in the last days that. The mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountain. So, when it say mountain of the Lord's house, it's not necessarily the mountain where God is dwelling. This mountain is the mountain of lordship. The mountain of the Lord is Mount Zion. Praise God. Or the holy mountain. And so, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains. And shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow into it. And many people shall go and say, Come ye, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord for the, and to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways, and we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of God of the Lord from Jerusalem. And... Now, when the word of the Lord goes from Jerusalem, it will then bring forth judgment, praise God, among the nations, and then shall rebuke many people, and they shall beat their sword into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Amen. So, it says, when the word of the Lord begins to go, what will happen? It will cause them to beat their sword. That word sword is their weapons of war. So this verse 4 is talking about the process of making peace, taking uh, nations. When you hear the word nations, nations have to do with the, the spiritual organization. These nations here. When you say nations of the earth, Nations of the earth, nations of the earth, like the kings of the earth came and took counsel together. Right? Those, are, those kings of the earth are kings of nations of the earth, right? So they are kings, over, so they have risen out of the natural order of life, right? And at that time, when they, they begin to take counsel against the Lord and against his anointed, that's the time when they are turning from being passive natural men to natural men that have been weaponized against the will and the kingdom of God. That's when they, they now begin to take counsel together. Do you see that? So that, that thing they call nations, you know, we now break down nations. You, now, you break down nations into tribes and tongues. And if you go down even further, you break them into kindreds, right, kindreds of the earth. The kindred of the earth is the lowest form, kindred and families are inside kindred. So, the word nation is the summary of the natural order. The nations of the earth. Do you see that? Amen. So, these nations of the earth, they're actually souls that are inside them, is is built law of hostility, it's an organization. Praise God. It's like the devil, the devil developed a military installation. But sometimes when you go to a military installation, you see life going on there. People are going to, there can even be school there, there can be gym there, there can be even be, you know, there's market. You've been to a military place before, right? Life is going on there. Praise God. Until maybe it's time for battle. You now discover that that life that's going on there, there's a reason why it's not about going to, to eating food and going to school and all of that. That you, you not know, check the organized that place organized, even the way they are, who lives here, who lives there, why are they the way they are? Is that it's actually a, a, a an organization that is is a life going on, but it's it's developed for war, for battle. The natural life is a program. That when that time comes, you will see the, the, the frame of the framework of the natural life begins to rise as an army against God. Men who chose who said they don't want to be spiritual, they just want to be natural. We, we don't hate God, we just like natural life. Once that day comes, they will just realize when they look around them, somehow they discover they, are, they have uniform they are in their, they are in their rank, unknowing to them, are you getting what I'm saying, that they are in their rank, you so what has somehow all the things they've been doing since, even the gym, everything, going to market has been, has been exercise, that they've been, <laughs> they're equipped for the battle, they have all the skills for the battle, that's what the natural life is, that's why Jesus took his stand against it. That there's somebody else really controlling it, and and it is a is a tool for developing men in a certain way. You saw that like we saw it at the beginning through Moses and the Israelites. Is that they, why even though they were in, in Goshen, there's something about Egypt that was in, within them that even as they were arranged in their own kindred and all of that, praise God, that by the time the order and the rule of, of God through Moses came they discovered they already had formation to resist him. They didn't have to now quickly organize, hey, how do we uh, we rebel against Moses? No, 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 they had all all that. The head of this family is already there. He's the one who speaks for the family. They gather together, they they send them to Moses. And that's why the only tribe that God was able to pick from them was a tribe who was able to ignore those channels, that organization of nature. Praise God, he said unto his father, I I had not seen him, and all of that. You get what I'm trying to say? So that was a type telling you about the danger of remaining in the natural, your natural formation, right? During a time when, during the, the end time, as Isaiah was saying here. But the reason for the word of the Lord out of Jerusalem, which is what is coming to us, the word of the Lord out of their habitation of peace is to teach men how to beat their sword into what ploughshares. And that was take your military instrument that the devil has given, turn it into a developmental instrument. You know the ploughshares and the pruning hooks; they are for development of agriculture. This agriculture is actually the the husbandry of God. Praise the Lord. Souls who refused to beat their own shares, sold into plus shares, and all of that, we saw their end in the Book of Revelation. The Revelation archives it properly, right? Revelation chapter fourteen was where the Lamb showed up with one hundred and forty-four thousand of his saints. Praise God. Those who had followed the Lamb, whithersoever He goeth, those who are those people, they are those who were redeemed from the earth. In chapter fourteen of Revelation, am I correct? They were redeemed from who, from where? From the earth. They were redeemed from their tribes. In chapter five, told us more about that redemption. Explained it. Praise God. Say, Thou hast redeemed us by Thy blood. Revelation chapter 5, when the song came, after he took the book out of the hand of him that sat on the throne, and they began to sing in heaven. say, thou hast redeemed us where? Unto God by thy blood. What? Out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. So that redemption is redemption from the natural order of life. How did he redeem? By thy blood. What is the blood? It's his testimony. It's the word. It's the instrument of peace. Praise God. So so chapter 14 was now showing those guys who have been redeemed from the earth. And that place he called them. So in that same place, he said, these are those who were redeemed from among men. They were redeemed from among men. You have to be redeemed from among men. You have to be redeemed from among where? Men. This is the real gospel. Any gospel that doesn't touch the redemption from among men, any gospel that teaches things around your your union with the, the natural life and help to facilitate it, is not yet the gospel of Christ. When the gospel of Christ begins to come, it's coming, I'm coming to bring a sword. The sword means it will tamper with those alignments. If in your life the word of Christ yet is not tampering with your life, means it's not wrought in redemption yet from among men. You need to press in, Father, into the gospel. So in chapter 14, you saw those people who were redeemed from among men. Then after that redemption, Towards the end, they're casting the sickle. They're casting the sickle to to reap the earth. That was the triggering of of the season of judgment upon the earth that opened up from chapter 15 and chapter 16 of Revelation. Chapter 15 and 16 of Revelation is the unveiling of of the, the wrath of God. That's where the vials were opened. Praise God.
0: Hallelujah.
1: Now, who did they open those vials to? They opened those vials, were open to people who carried the seed of rebellion, yeah. right? The way they identified them are people who had received the mark of the beast and they received his name. people who were not able to reject his name and his mark. What's the, what's the symbol of the, the mark and the name of the beast? The mark and the name of the beast is a, is a sign or a count of enmity with God that is still inside of souls. In chapter 14, we've seen that, that if we were granted unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, those saints who we make war with, is to gain their full allegiance because there are still things in them. Praise God, people who neglected to make peace in the day of peace, in the, this day of Isaiah chapter two, when it's time to beat their swords into plowshares and all of that, they refused that time of visitation. Praise God, they begin to they, they move. They were the, the people who fell prey in that in that time of uh, Revelation chapter thirteen. Praise God. So the name of the beast, the mark, is the name of blasphemy. Right? That's what it says. It's the name of what? Blasphemy. Who blasphemed God? They blasphemed God. They blasphemed his temple. Then they blasphemed them that worship. Who are them that worship in the temple? They are peacemakers of God. The attitude, The attitude of blasphemy of peacemakers... Some of us have that attitude, secret is there inside of us. When you see a soul not minding all the things you mind and instead is putting all his energy into making peace with God, you there is a secret thing there that doesn't like that kind of thing. Are you better than us? Why are you being too much? Why is your own extra? Why is your own different? Is a is a little thing. You see. Whenever you detect such things in you, it is a seed, an evil seed that must die. You see two other that that book of Revelation is very interesting. You see two, it's as if, you know, in chapter at the end of chapter the end of chapter 11, they said the temple of God was open in heaven, in, in heaven and it was seen in it, the Ark of the Testament. Am I correct? It's through that operation of the opening of that veil and sign, that's what triggered the error of the man-child coming out. Right? That, and we know that man-child is the same company of, with the lamb upon the mountain. Praise the Lord. You have a coming company. That company that had made peace with God fully, praise the Lord, and had moved into, they are are taking possession of the sure dwelling places. Praise God. And the the place of quietness. Forever. Then you now see the same, that same tabernacle opening again, in I think it's chapter fifteen. At first, it opened for the receiving of peacemakers. That place will open twice. The first time, it will open for them that are that coming in peace. But those who, and who are not coming in peace, they will still be journeying and they will still get to that place. It's not optional. What is moving journey is the, the unveiling of the testament. Whether you like it or not. You see this testament will continue to open. You say ah oh, this is becoming too much. It's too complex. It's why does it doesn't have to be that complex and complicated? You get angry and you go home it's still opening. Your anger is not stopping it. The more angry you are, the next day more another thing is opening. They won't even pause to say okay let's we let's see let's see if we can carry you along, you know. Let's see is any way we can no, no, don't don't make it go too high, not Let's come back again and let's see how we can. Please, can you, don't be angry, please. They don't have time for that. As you are getting angry, the revelation is making you angry. You say it's too much. No, wahala, it's still coming. It's going to continue to flow. Are you get what I'm saying? And as it's opening up, your world is changing. Don't let your world be changing around you and you are just there. Not changing. You need to find your place. Fight for your place. Choose, in this life, what what do I want? Choose it. Take count. Count the cost. Be deliberate. Choose it. And once you count the cost, go for it. Don't hold back. Go with everything. God likes, see that lukewarm, if you are neither hot nor cold. He was saying to that church, he said, I will spit you out of my mouth. Because I know if you're neither that hot nor cold, I know that you're actually cold. You're you are even worse. Praise the Lord. So you see, in that revelation, I think it was it chapter 15, I think. We're about to close now. Amen. I'm sorry. Is this a sad message? Please, please. I'm um, here with me, okay. I didn't try to come and make everybody sad. Um, I'm just praise God. You see, in verse fifty-five, right? Yeah. Verse one said, "I saw another angel in heaven, great and marvelous." Seven angels having the seven last plagues, right? See, last plagues. Last plagues. For in them is filled the, up the wrath of God. Remember, Paul spoke about this wrath, upon whom this wrath will be revealed, right? In Romans chapter 1. After he spoke, he spoke about the just living by faith, then he now said, For the wrath of God will be Revealed from heaven against the what? Unrighteousness and then what? Ungodliness of men. in qualified them. Who are really those men who will encounter this Who hold the truth in unrighteousness? Why? For what? That which, may be, that which may be known of God is manifest in what? In them. He showed it to them. Are seen that, I mean, praise God so they've seen eternal power and Godhead means they were around in the time when eternal power and Godhead was being re- revealed they, don't, they can't lie that they know heard about it they know heard that there's something called eternal power how many of you have ever heard of something called eternal power they've, you've heard a message about, that, about eternal power and Godhead <laughs> all these things is not from one generation after you've gone no, we are actually in our time you know sometimes when, when you, are, you enter the time of the prophecy, it's hard to agree that this is our, this is our time, it's easier to just be humble, that <laughs> like this is just a script of the end time, you know it's very very sweet to pray about end time end time prayer always sweet to pray when you Grab everything. but the idea that what this this your time being the end time? Right? When you now be, all the reality of those things begin to dawn on you, it's not as it's not that easy. That's when you now begin to see men denying end time. You see a lot of men who have prayed about end time before, all that God would do, all the devil would do, how God would overcome and everything. When you now try to show them that you see this end time you've been praying about that you like very well. It's actually now. So all those things, <laughs> praise God. Hallelujah. You know how, you know how we, we always pray about the time of tribulation? We think the devil will go around flogging people, hey, receive the, the mark of the beast and all of that. And then you know, we pray about it and say, God, I don't want to be there. I want to choose your, your name and all of that. And there's a part of me, when I was even young, I was picturing my, my mind, I'm living in that time. What kind of strategy will I use <laughs> to make sure that no matter what, I will, I will never get that mark? <laughs> but there's a way you, you think of it as future, far away. Yes, but when you now try to show it, so that you see right now, as we are going on right now, like what the world is going on. Men are constantly, they are constantly increasing in count. Say count, and that count of six, six, six. When you tell a man, you see your, your count, is you have a count. Oh. You actually have a count. You might be 25 right now. All of a sudden, the conversation changes. It huh. means that the whole thing has started. It oh. <laughs> means that right now, what I'm doing is counting in my nature. The the devil doesn't want men to count the cost. The devil wants men to just think there's nothing going on until one day. It's time to, to now count the count of men. And you see men full of count. You know, once you have, you can't have the count and then refuse the name do way we thought about it like it's choice. Do you want the name? Come here, we, If we catch you, we'll give you the name by first. Some of so us feel you can run. You run to your mother's village and go and hide there, you know? Like they will ask you. That name is not, it's an automatic something. The count and the name, they marry each other. It's not, you, you don't even have choice. <laughs> by the time God begins to appear, Things, he begins to really unveil himself. You you, won't, you can't interject the you see the, the blasphemy of the, in the nature of that name from chapter thirteen, blaspheming God, His His throne, His temple, the worshippers. is an instinctive blasphemy. It's just something that someone will find on the inside of themselves. Praise the Lord. So in, in chapter 16, chapter 15 of Revelation, praise God, in verse 5, he said, And after that I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was what? Was open. Right? In the end of chapter eleven, verse 19, it says, And the temple of God was open in heaven. And there was seen in temple, the ark of his testament. So it's the same kind of operation that will happen. The same thing that happened in the in the that's happening in the season of the development of the sons of God, men who have made peace with God, when it's time for them to enter into their everlasting rest, then after a while the same kind of operation of the tabernacle of the testimony is open, and then you now see the beasts coming out. With the, verse 7, and one of the four beasts gave unto the seven angels seven golden vials full of the wrath of God, who liveth for what? Forever. And then what? And ever. And the temple was filled with the smoke of the, from the glory of God and from his power. And no man was able to enter into the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were fulfilled. Amen. So the same testimony that unveiled the man-child. Which is the overcoming child, right? Is the same testimony that will do what? Unveil the plagues. Praise God. These plagues that are coming are they actually the wrath of God that will be revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness and all if any man carries unrighteousness and they refuse to turn from unrighteousness, the destination, that unrighteousness will collide with the wrath of God. Praise the Lord. And the, and the devil is the reason why he's raising unrighteousness. Unrighteousness leads to ungodliness, right? And the purpose for the ungodliness is to make a soul have a stature to stand. And resist what? They resist the revelation of what? Of the wrath of God. So, one thing you see is that the seasons must change, the time must change. But what that time means to a soul depends on what state. What are they carrying? What's the content of the soul? Is it righteousness or is it unrighteousness? Praise the Lord. Now, there's no time to read chapter 15 and 16, but you now discover that chapter 15 and 16, these souls here, that this wrath were revealed against, after God poured out the wrath, sorry, the plagues and everything, at the end, they refused to change. They were still cursing God. They were still cursing God. They were still cursing God. Why were they still cursing God? It's because of the stature of enmity that was within them, the nature of rebellion that was, it, that was within them. Praise God. And that nature, it comes, it develops gradually. Anytime the truth comes and the soul holds that truth in unrighteousness, refuses to allow the truth to, to the righteousness to result in the peace, right, that supposed to bring about, according to Paul. He refuses to work out peace. You don't handle that revelation and follow it until it produces peace in that area. Amen. All of any time a soul deals that way, you are training your soul for what warfare against God. Any time a standard is revealed concerning something, you—I mean—a a scriptural standard concerning a righteousness of God that you are supposed to obey or submit to. You willfully ignore it. You will ignore the revelation. You don't follow it. It beckons to you. You ignore it. You put it aside. What you are doing, you are feeding the strength of enmity with God. That's what Satan does to men. Are you getting me? It is. It is by that, the hardening of the soul. Remember I said to you that there are spirits that don't have work until the testimony opens. Right? Their work, their real work is in men's reaction to the world. If the whole world, the world is closed, revelation doesn't come, scripture doesn't open, they can't do much. Men will just be little, little guys, but they won't have stature of ungodliness. But where they breed ungodly men is around the testimony close his testimony, take it away, is how to breathe an ungodly stature. Because blasphemy, blasphemy is a reactive posture against something. Nobody blasphemes in a, in a vacuum. The way they train the nature of blasphemy is exposing a, a soul being exposed to the truth, but training the truth to hold it in unrighteousness. It's a training, that's a training, that's a that's how Satan himself was trained. He was trained in the, inside the the, kabor, the glory. Inside the presence. He manufactured the nature. With all the, the, the strength of the ambience, of the weight of the glory of God. Say peace with God. this thing, so this is something that God takes very seriously because, praise God, once light comes, that's what Jesus Christ said. He said, this is the condemnation. He said, I'm, he said, I didn't come to condemn. It's not that, hey, you did bad. I don't like you. You are like, you know, it's not that. It's that, that this is the condemnation. This is how men are condemned. Is that light came, but men love darkness rather than light. Are you seeing that? It's it's, your, it's the reaction of men to light that brings about either approval of God or condemnation. So the idea that if someone plagues all these guys, blasphemy, those worldly guys far there, those bad worldly people. No, no, no. A lot of times, it's people, it's our exposure to God's standard. Except the soul is exposed to God's standard. You can't really reveal the work of the devil. I pray the Lord will give us so much grace. There is a a demand for heaven. Heaven is making a demand. Along with the increase of the speaking, the revelation, the sight, the light that's coming. With it is coming a demand for a response. And there are two sides. heaven is counting on your response. Hell is also counting. devil is also counting. What will you do with the truth? How will you respond to the truth? will you make a resolve for righteousness or are we going to hold it in, un, in unrighteousness let's just begin to pray just ask the Lord for help help, 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 help we need help from heaven Shakari Haramasota Karista Pari Hell was so Korea that was also Mari Kahali Halaos to Prahasta Parios, Kerri Bahai Manta Lavahovia Mari Kama Sukresta Parunio singeri Haramoste Mashandeli Kayedemeru Kaiherios. Epreta la kai elkon al tapa huri ara bazubi e kriios 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 e right now just begin to ask the Lord have mercy have mercy have mercy have mercy teach me the right heart the right culture how to handle the truth how to handle the season of peace the time of reconciliation that I will not fall short I will not neglect it I will have the right attitude the right response help me give me grace Give me grace, give me strength, give me strength, give me strength, help me. Help me, help me, help my heart, help my soul, help me, Father. Oh nika mahariosa. Kara ramasunde li karialama sukra bose. Remara marado satayara sorialama su gremurialamos. Makarama soteri a ramasunde le Ere, heaven ere every The entire Galilee, Lord make a colony, a colony, a Masuskembren <muchas> a make it mata, mata, Emreta apramahura mantasakaierebosota, oh la maradai, oh la maradai, eh la maradai, eh la maradai, ah la maradai, ah la maradai, ah greeda bogos, ikpe alabazure de boske, imprasa zutan de suhehereboskae alabazure oh oh mercy Lord, mercy Lord, have mercy Lord, have mercy Lord, have mercy Lord. Have mercy, Lord. Have mercy, Lord. Have mercy Lord, 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 have mercy upon us. Jesus. Sha Rababaya Kari Tori Gerebo Saraya. merentangeli Garamo Sotolingre te gerevo sotayeri in kata increase time green guy you yeah para sire of us so yeah yeah thank you jesus of someone was asking the saying lord Maybe the place where you are now is not where you started from in terms of your journey with the truth. And you are saying, Lord, I want you to rekindle my relationship with the truth. To rekindle my, the oil of my fellowship, the, the zeal, the passion in my heart for your word and for your truth. The desire to align myself with you. If you are that person, just begin to speak to the Lord right now. Just begin to speak to him right now. Just begin to speak to him. Begin to speak to him. Just begin to speak to him. Begin to speak to him. Begin to speak to him. There will be a release of grace. A release of grace. A release of a fresh grace. A release of a new grace. A release of a new anointing. A release of a fresh grace. Oh, Manikasia, to reconnect. To reconnect with the spirit of salvation to reconnect with the spirit of salvation to reconnect with the spirit of the truth reconnect with the spirit of the world that there will be a reopening of ears your if that's your desire some of us are praying for that that we want to hear again in a, in an inspired way we want the channels of the speaking of the spirit the doors of revelation the doors of sight of the living world the flame of the world the spirit of the world to become alive again the spirit of the new testament oh father we pray let there be a resurrection a resurrection of ears resurrection of minds resurrection of hearts resurrection lord a, a, a fresh ease of life oh god Yempa Uriata Pariole Boskere Bozontai Igreta Maruda Geso. And Samamai Atale Montai Atala Montai mota En Talabahu Kreboske Tay. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Our Father in heaven, we just bless your name. We thank you this morning for your word. We receive it with meekness, with humility, with brokenness of spirit and brokenness of heart. Holy Ghost, let this word not just be words. Infuse it with power. Ability to dissolve wrong resolves. Amen. Believe to war against our enmity in our hearts against God to so recreate the environment, the atmosphere conducive for agreement, for making of peace, cutting of new covenant, fresh covenant within the depth of our soul. Thank you, our Father. We pray this word will not stand against us in judgment. But rather it will bring about increase to bring about addition thank you our father but I pray for the gift of the of the presence Amen. and of the spirit the spirit and the presence for cultivation that makes hearts soft and receptive to the moves of God and to the words of God I pray you will give to every person today Thank you, our Father. We will grow in peace with you. We will increase in the peace of Christ. Amen. Thank you, our Lord. We give all the praise to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
0: You dwell between the cherubim, shine forth. You dwell between the cherubim, shine forth. You would between the cherubim